A very good morning to you all. Very light on this morning, and I know we have um, quite a number of people who are unwell, and I know that they're watching online. Um, if you read your Packy Life, you would see that the title of my sermon today is called The Blessings of Work. Many times in our scriptures, we see people working. There are different kinds of work detailed in the Bible, but what I love is how the Bible connects both physical and spiritual blessings associated with work. When we look closely at the workers mentioned in our scriptures and the type of work they do, we will inevitably see a spiritual truth that is presented, the blessings of work. Today, we will see this truth in this faithful work of Ruth. Like so many other workers in our scriptures, because of Ruth's humility and obedience in her circumstances, because of her hard work, reward is coming. She will see the blessings of her work. At the time, she certainly wasn't thinking about the rewards. She was simply living out her commitment to her mother-in-law. But like so many other examples of those um, whose lives has been revealed in our scriptures of people of faith, honour and dedication, God's eyes are never indifferent to those who are faithful. We find this truth time and time again in our scriptures. And this is the truth we see in the end of Ruth chapter 2. May God speak to us through his word today. If you remember earlier in the chapter when Boaz inquired to his chief worker regarding Ruth, he asked about her. He was told how Ruth arrived early and apart from a little rest in the house, she worked all the way up until the time Boaz arrived. In the first verse that was read out today, we see that other than a few more short breaks, Ruth has continued to work throughout the entire day, even until evening. We're also given a glimpse of her work ethic because we're told she beat out what she had gleaned. If you remember, she was allowed to go right behind and pick up the good quality grain. Well, instead of binding up all the stalks and carrying on her back home, probably using a stick or maybe a small rock, she took time to beat the grain and to wean it. This is a painstaking and an exhausting job known as threshing. Once the grain was cut, then it had to be separated from the stalks. The stalks are picked and then the grain is sorted. This involved throwing it up in the air, allowing the wind to blow away the lighter chaff. In this act, Ruth, in the act of Ruth beating out the grain, Ruth is assuming a great responsibility of care for Naomi. She could have easily taken the grain home as it was and shared the task with Naomi. But by beating the grain herself, She's keeping all of the difficult work for herself. Now she'll be able to bring home grain ready to be milled and then cooked. She's taken immense care of her mother-in-law in this work at her own expense. After a long day of gleaning and then beating out the grain, she carries about an epar of grain back home. This would be enough food for both herself and Naomi for five full days. So you understand this is no small amount of grain to carry. In today's measure, it would be approximately about 13 kilograms. That was a massive amount for anyone to glean and then carry. Ruth would have certainly been tired and even worn out. She'd been there early in the morning, right up into evening. 
The load she would have carried from the field to the city would have become heavier and heavier with every step. Not only was this a heavy, but the fact that it had been beaten meant that she had to be careful in carrying it because she wanted to make sure that it wouldn't spill or topple over because it was a lot lighter than carrying just the whole plant. Another less diligent person may go to the field to glean and get just enough for the day and not bother with much extra, but not Ruth. She stayed all day and into the evening in order to glean as much as she could. God has just begun to show his loving kindness to her and it is more than she will ever know and ever imagine. In this, she's the perfect example of the proverb which says, he who has slack hands becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent he makes rich. Ruth has taken the lead in being such a blessing to Naomi. So I'm quite sure you can easily imagine the pleasure and excitement and anticipation she would have in the moment. After her first day of working in the fields, after picking, beating, walking, carrying, imagine what it must have been like for her when she gets home and she's able to lay it all out in front of Naomi. But you know in life, you can work hard at blessing others, but you can never be sure of the response that you're going to get. I mean, I'm quite sure we've all been in a situation where we've done something nice for someone else and what thanks or appreciation do we get? None. Well, in a way, as Ruth walks in the door, she too could get that response from Naomi. All her hard work could get very minimal response. Well, thankfully, because of the wording the author uses, we know that this is not the case. No doubt Naomi was probably pacing the house that day. If you remember, when you were working in fields, it was often accompanied with abuse. Workers and gleaners um, suffered abuse quite often. So perhaps she was wondering, was Ruth experiencing that as she went out? The fact that Ruth had been gone away for such a long time, remember, she left early in the morning and she still wasn't home by evening, may have added to those thoughts of concern to Naomi. Being away all day, Naomi may have been thinking that she had found so little that she needed to stay out all day just to find enough to survive for a single day. So chances are Naomi would have been in a state of despair and anxiety before Ruth came home. But even though Naomi may have been tired from all the different thoughts which may have been running through her head during the day, even though she may have been concerned and wondering how Ruth was, the concern and wondering if she'd found any favour among the landowners. All of this concern and wondering would be changed once Ruth walks through the door. In the work of Ruth, we see a dramatic reversal of fortune. Do you remember Naomi spoke about leaving Bethlehem full and returning empty? We see the exact opposite here. Ruth went out empty in the morning, but is returning to Naomi's home full in the evening. To see Ruth walk in with large baskets of grain would have been a real encouragement for her, restoring her both emotionally and physically, filling her with both wonder and gratitude. I'm sure it would have been truly satisfying feeling to see Naomi's face when her hard work was presented to her. We are told Ruth gave Naomi the portion of the meal that she kept back from her lunch when she was at the table and then she showed her all the grain that she got. What was Naomi's response? Where have you gleaned today 
And where did you work? Do you know, at face value, it doesn't seem that big of a response. But the way the writer writes this reveals it is much more than, oh, that's good, dear. You must have had a pretty good day today. The writer is wanting to make evident Naomi is astonished at what is happening. It is perfectly evident in the repetition of her words. In her words is a scent of heightened and excitement. She would have been flabbergasted. That is what the writer is trying to portray. The first thing she said is, where have you gleaned today? The writer tells us Ruth took about an epire of grain home. Now, without some research, none of us would have any idea how much that was. But the writer puts it in so he wants us to know. As I said before, you do the research, it's enough food for five days. So knowing this, when Naomi says, where have you gleaned today? It is a question of amazement. How have you got all this grain? Remember where she got it from? Right at the front. It is the best quality grain. So she asked, where did you glean? How did you get all this grain? Remember last week I said sometimes gleaners did this get, amount, get this good amount of quality of grain. How did they get it? They stole it. Knowing Ruth's character, though, there isn't a hint of wrongdoing in Naomi's question. For she... For sure, if she were any other person, thoughts of stealing or even getting the grain that she had before her in some other illegal way may be a possibility. But that never enters Naomi's mind. Instead of such thoughts, Naomi's confidence in her character is never questioned. In fact, the next question tells us she knows how she got all that grain. Cleaning and picking up leftovers is what Ruth set out to do that morning, and yes, she did it, but she did so much more. Naomi acknowledges this with the words of her second question, where did you work? Cleaning is working. Ruth, Naomi knows she didn't steal it. Naomi knows she didn't go and put herself in a situation where she wasn't meant to be. She knew she did it with work, but Ruth did much more. She came home with grain which was ready to be milled. This meant that she had to have a spot to thresh and do that graining. This meant that she had to have someone allow her to use their threshing floor in order to do it. Naomi knows for the grain to come home this way, someone must have taken notice of her. They chose to purposely bless her. If they didn't, then she couldn't do what was before Naomi's eyes. That's why when you put these two questions together, they are both a compliment of Ruth and an acknowledgement that someone else has blessed both of them. That's why in the next sentence she says, blessed be the one who took notice of you. She's bewildered. She's seen quality before her eyes and she's seeing that Ruth had done stuff out in that field where someone had to allow her to do it and put her in a position where no one else normally gets to go. Ruth answers her question and gives the name of the owner. His name is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he, the Lord of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. The term kindness here in Ruth is found roughly 250 times in the Old Testament. The majority of times these occurrences refer to God himself. The term speaks of God's covenant faithfulness, his covenant loving kindness. 
in this passage, we see the term used in reference to Boaz. The kindness, covenant faithfulness of Boaz is being reflected of the kindness, covenant faithfulness of the Lord and how he has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours. He's one of our close relatives. He's a garden redeemer. These words, close relative, will be used many times from here on in throughout the book of Ruth. But what does it mean? The Hebrew word here is goal. It is used to refer to several different things. Fundamentally, the term means of one who is there to protect or one who is there to redeem. A goal was responsible in a number of ways according to the law. They were to keep the land within the family. They were also responsible to buy back any family member who was sold into slavery. They must avenge the murderer of a kinsman by putting that murder to death. There is also the idea of paying back the debt of a deceased kinsman. That was what the law stated. However, you understand none of these technically fit the situation or circumstances that Naomi and Ruth are in. Well, as I said before, fundamentally, the term means to protect and to redeem. Throughout the Old Testament, the word is used to refer to God's redeeming activities and protection to his people. This is the way the word is being used here. This is the way Naomi is using the term. She's simply saying that there is a near relative who can come to their aid. But get this, we're told that he is one of our goals. This meant they had others. There may be, and as we'll see later, there is one who is closer. Do you know what that means? There, there is nothing in the law that requires Boaz to care for Naomi and Ruth. He was under no obligation to provide for them at all because there were others who could do it. If he's going to act on their behalf as a geol, redeemer, and to protect them, it was going to have to be out of his sheer grace. Boaz had already shown Ruth and Naomi the characteristics of a goal. Now he is foreshadowing the rest of the story. Not only did he honour the gleaning laws, not only was he doing what was right in God's eyes, he was generous to the foreign outsider. Now she's being told that this man that did all this for her today is a close relative and a redeemer. It's interesting how many commentaries say the verses that follow on from here and in this chapter don't go the way we probably think they should go. I mean, most people in Ruth's shoes say, where was it? Oh, we were with Boaz and he did this for me and this for me and look what happened. Oh, Boaz is a close relative of ours. Normally we would say, what? He's a close relative? How? How does he fit? How close? But she doesn't say anything like that. The writer says, Ruth the Moabite, there's that word again, suddenly she's shown to be distinct and as a Moabite, as if the author doesn't want us to forget that fact. Anyway, she's just been told he's a close relative, a redeemer, but she doesn't directly address it. Instead, she says to Naomi, and he also said to me, stay close to his young men. Interestingly, this is another strange thing commentators pick up. Why is it strange? Boaz didn't say that. Boaz didn't say, stay close to my men. Do you remember what he said? Stay close to my young women. 
No one really answers the question why she said the men instead of the women, but they all comment on the words of Boaz in the invite for Ruth to stay until they finished harvesting all the grain. This is an invite for her to be in his field for an entire wheat and barley harvest. Depending on the exact location and elevation, that period would last from the time of Passover when the barley harvest normally begins all the way through to Pentecost where the wheat harvest begins. All in all, this was an invite to be with him on his field, be up the front, collect what you want for about three or so months. Not, not, now, knowing the customs of the land and seeing all the attention Boaz had put onto Ruth in this one day and the fact that Ruth has the invitation to continue to the end of harvest, Naomi knows culturally not to stay there after such a blessing has been given and a great invite, this would be seen as ignoring his exceptional kindness and also disgracing him in public. If Naomi said, look, you've had a good day, let's not wear it out. Remember I said last week, gleaners didn't go to the same field all the time. They went to different fields so they wouldn't be troublesome. Imagine if Naomi said, look, it was a really good day today. You've been blessed, so let's not, you know, let's not overstay our welcome. Don't go back there. Try something else. If she did that, she would be opening up herself to the possibility of being violated in another field. The word she uses in being harm implies this. It is a perfect example of what would happen to a person who comes under the protection of God of Israel and yet goes and looks for spiritual blessing and enlightenment in another. That's what she says. She knows in the field of Boaz there is safety, abundance, fullness in which has already been offered. To go elsewhere would be a violation of the law. It is like someone who comes under the grace of God, who receives God's protection and then goes and looks for it in another God. Along with this, you can see her mind ticking over. Maybe, just maybe, he's interested in her and might redeem the family through her. In order for this to come about and for Boaz to grow more fond of her, Naomi instinctively encourages Ruth, take up this offer, go back tomorrow, go back the next day. She tells her to go, but she also corrects her thinking. She tells her you need to stay close to the women, not to the men, as that could lead to trouble. In fulfilling the certain hope of Boaz from verse 8 and in accepting Naomi's admiration in the previous verse, we read the final beautiful verse that ends chapter 2. Ruth stayed close to the young women, gleaned until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. During all the months of the complete harvest, she was in the field of Boaz working, working, working each and every day, then returned home to Naomi each evening. As she went out to work each day, it is as if though this time she's being watched by Boaz, her character and her dedication to Naomi and her diligent working in the field and staying close to the women will not go unnoticed. Once again, Ruth has first demonstrated humility and grace in her dealings with her mother-in-law. Maybe she caught the vision. Maybe she understands that she is likely to be the one to be used to redeem the family through Boaz. So she stays close to the young women, not to allow any words of scandal to arrive. She is truly a woman of noble character. That is today's. As I always say, so what? What can we learn from this today? 
I guess you can say today's is easy. Today's passage is easy. It's all about Boaz being a kingsman redeemer. As a kingsman redeemer, Boaz beautifully represents the sacrificial love of our Lord Jesus Christ. As our redeemer, Christ paid the cost of his life. Like Boaz, he was under no obligation to descend from heaven, live a perfect life and die an undeserved death upon the cross in our place. But he did. He chose to do it. As our redeemer, he endured the wages of sin so that us foreigners may be received into his father's covenant community because of Jesus Christ. We can become fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. Obviously, this is so much the meaning of the book of Ruth. And that is what I focused on last week, the grace of God, what's in your ticket. But today, I want to try and draw out some out of the square, so what lessons. Some things that most people mightn't get from this passage. And it has to do what I spoke about at the beginning. The first thing I get out of this thing is the blessings of work. Do you know, when it comes to this word work, sometimes Christians can see it as a swear word. Christianity sometimes wants nothing to do with work. They say Christianity has nothing to do with work. It's all about grace. But many times the Bible talks about works, good works prepared for us to those for to do. And some will say, ah, yes, that's our spiritual work. You know, when we hear the word work, most of us think of a place of employment. When someone says to you, what do you do for work? Most times they're talking about your place of employment. Well, let me ask you this. Can your place of appointment be a blessing? I was chatting once with a Bible college principal and he said a student said something to him once that stuck with him forever. A student had finished his degree and uh, he really didn't have anything to go to. And he said to this principal, oh, I really would hate after doing three years of theological training to end back up in secular work. And it hit him. He said, what determines secular work? Where does this idea of secular work come from? The church has had this great divide of secular and sacred work. Let me ask you, I've been a butcher. I've been a hotel cleaner where I used to go into a nightclub and clean bathrooms and um, everything like that. I have also been working in a kitchen hand in a nursing home. I've been a bus driver. I've been a school chaplain. I've been a pastor. Are some of them more sacred than others or are they all equal? There is blessings in work. Regardless of what work you do, there is blessings in work. I don't believe that God sees, oh, this is a spiritual work and this is a secular work. There is no secular sacred divide. In fact, if you remember, we're told in all things, all things, all things. The working by Ruth in gleaning of the fields can be parallel to our own lives in Christ. If we have called on Jesus Christ, we are his and he has placed us in his field wherever he chooses. Even if you're retired, you still have work and that work can be a blessing. The picture of Ruth staying and working in Boaz's field is intended to show us the importance of staying in Christ's own field. But what happens in the field? You work. 
And what is the result of the work? Blessing. Through the, though the work may be hard, hot and tiring, Ruth continued with it day by day, knowing that God used her efforts in such a wondrous way. Her example to us should be all the more inspiring. As surely as Ruth will receive her blessing for her work in the field, the same is true for us. In Christ there is the certainty of reward for me and for you in all we do, regardless of whether you're a butcher, a truck driver or a pastor. All we do in his name while we're on his path, we should do and work at it diligently daily in our lives as we are in his field and we will see the blessings of work. As Matthew Henry rightly states, when our day comes to a close, we should take a moment to ponder this. Where have I gleaned today? What improvement have I made in knowledge and grace? What have I done that will turn to a good account? Your work can be a blessing, not only to you, but also to others. And that's my next outside of the square thing. Our work can bless others. Now, I know when it comes to caring for his children, God has many things at his disposal he uses to provide comfort for his people. And I would be, but I'm confident in saying this, the primary method God uses to care for his people is his people. Consider the example we have just looked at today. There are, even when you go through the whole book of Ruth, the author only makes two explicit references to God's intervention. The first we've already seen in 1.6, where God puts an end to the famine. The second occurrence we'll see later is in chapter 4, when God enables Ruth to become pregnant. Yet we see the hand of God's sovereignty and provision throughout this whole book over and over again. The main characters are repeatedly being blessed and cared for by the words and actions of other people. God's speaking into the lives of his people through his people. Now, I know at times we might take this concept too far. I mean, I know of churches that have become so focused on our horizontal relationships, living out the one another of the scriptures, they lose sight or minimise the relationship that they're meant to have with God. They spend so much time in making people feel at home or welcome and we want to feel loved that they're missing out on this relationship. Always remember this, the order from a biblical point of view is love God and love others. Our relationship with God and loving him should always be the foundation of our relationship in loving one another. Sadly, I think the opposite problem is true for most churches, the loving each other or allowing God to use his people to care for his people. Do you know when you saw what you saw today, Everyone was being cared for, but they were all being used by God in their work. Boaz was the Lord of the harvest. He was simply doing what the Lord followed. He was, a, he was going to work himself, and in his work, he was blessing Ruth. Ruth was working in the field. She was collecting. She was gleaning. She was separating. And in that, she was being a blessing to Naomi. As we read the passages today, we can clearly see in the story of Boaz the way God works to bless and comfort his people through his people. Ruth was able to share the abundance she received with Naomi because Boaz took notice of her in his job. The text does not indicate that Boaz has any romantic intentions yet. It indicates Boaz was a different man for his culture. 
Remember, this was the time during the judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In this time, Boaz stands out as someone who was faithful to the commands of the Lord. He has been so touched by the Lord's covenant and faithfulness to him, it overflows in what he gives to others. Ruth came to the field of Boaz as an outsider. She came as a foreigner. In addition, she came along with nothing to offer. She came empty. And because of the things Boaz did, she received great compassion and grace. So as we read, we can ask this. What little things can we do in our work or our daily lives to bless others? How can we show great compassion and grace, the same that God has shown us? You know, I still get amazed at how some of the little things in life we do become the greatest sort of comfort for others, especially when others are in time of need. Sometimes showing the smallest signs of affection to someone can be very moving. A hug when you come home can seem routine, but a hug at a funeral can carry so much more emotion and feeling. Making a phone call, sending a text message to someone can mean so much more to them when they are sitting home alone. I guess what I'm getting at is that we shouldn't shy away from helping others. We shouldn't shy away from allowing our work to bless others. You don't have to come up with some elaborate plan to show compassion. Most often, it is a simple giving of your time. Being with them, sitting with them, or listening to them sometimes is all people want. Let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding it. The truth is, in doing this, we don't know how God will use us. Sure, the actions you do may seem small and insignificant to you, but even though they are very small, doing these small things, you just may be the Boaz that that person needs. You may be bringing life-changing blessings to that person. So that's the other outside square point that we can learn. God uses his people to care for his people. Your work can be a blessing to others. And the final one is this. Work can bring blessings of change in your life. At the end of the first chapter, we saw a bitter Naomi. She was someone who was struggling to see the goodness of God in her life. She was severely questioning God's character. Well, that is no longer the case. She's no longer questioning God's character. At the end of chapter 2, everything has changed. Now the Lord resurrects her, this life, from bitter Naomi to one that is blessed. Her lips are no longer speaking in bitterness. Because she's experienced God's covenant kindness, they are now full of blessing. God once again has proven himself to be the merciful, graceful God of Israel to her. But how did all this change take place? By the work of hands. Naomi has experienced God's blessing because of the work from the hands of Ruth. Ruth has experienced God's blessing because of the work of the hands of Boaz. But it's so much more than this. Work can bring great blessings of change because the hands of the greater worker of all is working about to bring those blessings. The hands of God. This hand of God is what Naomi saw in this whole situation once Ruth walked through the door and heard her words. Most commentaries bring out the truth that the change we see in Naomi from this point on in the book is drastic. She now has a purpose. If we put it into the works category, almost everything from this point on in this book, she now works towards it growing this relationship between Ruth and Boaz. She's a changed woman. Why? Because she's seen the hand of God in this. She sees him working in this situation. 
That's what's brought about the change. We too should recognise God's hand at work in our lives. We too should see the blessings of change he can bring to us. This is a cause of rejoicing. Let me make an important point though. This doesn't mean that Naomi had forgotten her sorrow. It wasn't as if her appearance had changed. It wasn't as if her circumstances have changed. Even at that moment, she was still may have failing sorrow because of her circumstances. But there was a big difference. The big difference because of the blessings of the work of Boaz, Ruth and God together, she is now praising God in the midst of her sorrow. Her circumstances really hadn't changed that much, but, she, but her attitude had. Even though she was still in a poor state, she expressed the kind of godly joy that was thankful. Have you ever thought to yourself, I know God exists, but I'm not sure that he's good? Have you ever looked at your circumstances and thought, why? How could a good God allow these things to happen to me? At some point in our lives, I'm sure we've all asked those questions. Maybe some of us are like that even today. Maybe you're going through the same trials recently and you're thinking something like that. Well, let's not equal rejoicing with worldly happiness. As if the only way we can rejoice in God's blessing is if we're jumping up and down and laughing. No, there is a way to rejoice in the blessings of God and the work he does in your life. And it can even happen in deep sorrow. We sung about it before. Your eye is on the sparrow and your hand it comforts me. From the ends of the earth to the depth of my heart, let your mercy and strength be seen. Do you see the hand of God working in your life? Do you see the hand of God working in your life and in the lives of those around you? The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and purpose for your life. He has work for you to do. He knows your trials. He knows your troubles and woes. And he is there for you in them and through them. So cling to him, or as the song said, run to him and live in the glory of his grace. When you take your honest doubts and frustrations and concerns to God, he meets them with tender care. That brings hope. We have lots of quotes on hope, but one of my favourite comes from the English writer, philosopher and theologian, um, G.J. Carlton. And his quote on hope is this. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be strengthful. That's why hope never disappoints us, because it always wins. The book of Ruth is in the Bible for a reason. What do we learn from Ruth's circumstances? Well, we could point to several aspects of Ruth's life and say, let's copy her industrious, grateful, caring commitment. But in the end, this passage in this book is all about the work of God and the hope he brings in the time of hopelessness. Just like Ruth, Boaz and Naomi, work hard for God because he is working hard for you. Let him do marvellous things for you and through you. And remember, every day you get up, there are blessings of work our work blesses others and work that you do and God does in your life can bring blessings of change. <laughs>